Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, Matt Targa. Thanks for joining us. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from just outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. He is one Brian Frankie. Brian Frankie is a solo artist, and he's also involved in a duo project with his wife, Sarah, titled Far Away. Brian's originally from Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a full-time musician and a part-time yoga teacher. In terms of what's currently uh, inspiring Brian at the moment, well, he's mostly focused on online shows via Facebook Live. Uh, He's been doing about three shows a week, and each has uh, some type of theme to it. And he's also conducting yoga classes online as well. In terms of any favorite sports or activities, his favorite sport to watch is baseball. Uh, In terms of any favorite activities, loves doing yoga. Does Brian have any favorite TV shows to watch or stream? Well, Breaking Bad is probably his most recent favorite TV show. He's also... uh, a fan of Ozark, as well as Dexter, and of late, a program called Little Fires Everywhere. Does Brian have any pet peeves or favorite foods? Well, Brian mentions that he doesn't appreciate selfish and entitled people. They are always difficult. In terms of favorite foods, he enjoys Thai food, sushi, good barbecue, eggplant parm, and an Italian sub. For our conversation today, we'll be discussing all things King's X and their 1994 record on Atlantic Records titled Dogman. Dogman was recorded at Southern Tracks in Atlanta, Georgia with Nick Dadia, and it was mixed by Brendan O'Brien. So without further ado, let's meet our guest today, Brian Frankie. Brian Frankie, it is really great to talk with you tonight. You are a solo artist. You are in a duo with your wife, Sarah, and uh, you're also a yoga instructor these days. And it's really funny. We're talking, you know, on May 21st, because I I noticed that apparently today is also World Meditation Day. I actually did not even know that. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of random factoid I found on the Internet. So this feels like a really, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking about King's X with you, but it's also kind of a fortunate accident that you've, you know, you've, uh, uh, you know, recently gotten involved as a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We so, can definitely jump into that if you, you want to. Sure. So, uh, how are uh, how are you this evening? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm at home. It's uh, pouring out. We're supposed to get a lot of rain tonight, so we're just kind of staying in and uh, just hanging out tonight. I don't I don't have anything happening in my life uh this evening so everything seems to be kind of at a standstill right now you are uh just outside of charlottesville correct yeah yeah we're maybe 20 20 minutes outside charlottesville um we live in a lake community called lake monticello it's in palmyra virginia and we moved down here from the dc area two years ago be two years next week actually Wow. Crazy to think about it. Um, bought a house and yeah. that's settled in pretty well here. It's different than Northern Virginia, but it's more our, our pace and, and lifestyle. So 
Sure. Glad to be celebrating two years pretty soon. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about King's X this evening mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. all, all about their, I believe it's their fifth record overall and their second for Atlantic Records. This one is called Dogman. And, uh, you know, just right off the top here, um, how did you just discover the band as a whole and um, what made you choose this particular record from the group? Sure. Um, so I was, when I was in high school, and uh, this was like 96 or 97, um, I had a friend named Eric Kruger who, uh, well, both of us were really big into heavy metal um, in high school. We're like a few of the metalheads, and um, but we didn't become good friends until our senior year. So he um, he came up to me, um, and he said, "Hey, uh, I hear you play guitar, and you're pretty good." And I was like, "I don't know." Uh, and he said, hey, "I want to put a band together, and I want to play King's X music." And I was like, "King's who? He's King's X." And so he, he was like, "Oh." gave me a, one of their records, I think it was a recent one, which is the one after Dogman, it's called Ear Candy. He's like, just just listen to this. Um, and I was just blown away by just every song, all the aspects of it. And uh, we ended up, I think, performing a, like a set of their songs at the prom. No, they, you know, they were not a popular group, but uh, they let us play King's X music. Um, and so from there, that's sort of when my my love affair with King's X all these 20 plus years later began. Um, I've seen them a couple times in concerts and uh, just follow them as much as I can. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how it, that started off. And your, your second question, I forgot, was was what? Oh, what what inspired you essentially to choose oh, yeah. a particular one, Dogman, from King's so, X? Yeah, so Dogman... Um, it came out in 1994, so they 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 got signed um, and put out their first album in 1987. So they had, they'd done a, an album just about every year since then. So they had four before it, and those albums had a particular sound to them. Um, uh, what's interesting about Dogman, generally about King's X, because um, they're not super well known, but if you dig into them, you you can you find out that they were just a big, I guess we'll use the word today, an influencer of a lot of bands, especially the grunge scene in Seattle. Or someone's coined them the fathers of grunge. Um, so they had the first four albums, and they just didn't sell well. I mean, the musicality on it is great. They got rave reviews from critics. They just could never sell a record. So they were frustrated, and they were on Atlantic Records. And um, what changed for them was they, number one, they wanted to just kind of change their sound. At the time, everything they had done before was kind of an imprint of itself in some ways. So they all kind of changed their gear around and started also experimenting. They were one of the first groups before then to use the drop D tuning in a lot of songs, which influenced the grunge music. Um, but they decided to tune down lower on a lot of songs for Dogman. So, um, and the album itself 
you know, it was 1994, so grunge was big, and they decided to just get heavier um, with their sound. They were also, like I was had mentioned, kind of frustrated with not selling records at the time. And they didn't do this to sell records, but they it was kind of a, re- a release emotionally for them because they had just split t- uh, split with their original manager, who had kind of been screwing them over financially. And uh, so there's there was a lot of venting from that on the album um and they also changed they kind of have two lead singers uh one thing it's like a most albums it's 10 songs two one guy will sing two of them and the other will sing one uh, for the rest of them uh but this one they were like doug who's a the bass player in the group who's the singer we're going to let you sing. He's the better singer of the two. So they let Doug sing all the songs on the album, which was different than all the albums. And just for listening to their whole catalog, it's just this, that one stands out as um, a lot of people say it's their best album. It was their second highest charting album on the Billboard Top 200. I think it reached like 88th, which was still not enough to sell uh, enough records for Atlantic Records. But um, just sort of things changed from then on. Uh, they were kind of rediscovering themselves. And uh, on Dogman, they also worked with a very still famous producer, Brendan O'Brien, who did a lot of Pearl Jam's early records. He's worked with Wallflowers. He did Evil Empire with Rage Against the Machine. So he was big in the 90s and the guy to work with. And he would just had a different approach. Um, they were... They felt more free to express themselves and versus what the record company was telling them. So um, to me, it comes across as an album, and I've just read their autobiography. Um, there's a lot of other things. One guy was going through a divorce. So it was just like all this pent-up um, angst, which was you know a big word in the 90s to use, and that, they can't, that came out for them in Dogman. It's, um, it's just more raw. It shows a different side of them. Talking with Brian Frankie here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, All Things King's X and All Things Dogman from 1994. Dogman was their second record on Atlantic Records. Brian, you alluded to the uh, lead singer being Doug Pinnock. Uh, can you tell for our listeners who are, you know, blissfully unaware of the band, uh, because they they're very much underground still in a lot of respects. Who um who the other two members are in the band. Yeah, so yeah, Doug Pinnock's the bass player, um, and then Ty Tabor is the guitarist, um, and he, he's sort of the, the secondary singer. Uh, they all sing, um, but Ty Tabor will sing um, a lot of songs if it doesn't feel like it's right for Doug's voice. And then uh, Jerry Gaskell is, is the drummer. Um, so they... They all, if you listen to their music, it, they just have these, uh, a lot of the songs just have these riffs that they harmonize, like the riffs are just so interesting, and yet they harmonize beautifully over a lot of them. And I, I just listen to a lot of those songs again and again, and just wonder, how do they put that harmony on top of this crazy riff? Um, but the, yeah. One of the few bands to actually be able to pull it off and still pull that off. Yeah, and this, I mean, this particular outfit, this is King's X as we know it. There has never been any sort of deviation from this 
power trio, right? This is the band. Yeah, so they've been together. They met in the early 80s, so they've uh, been together since then, never switched the lineup up or anything like that. So do you think that this, do you think that Dogman is, is a drastic departure um, from what they had recorded to this point for Atlantic Records, or um, do you think that just Overall, uh, Dogman was something that they were continuing to reach for even before they signed to a major. Um, what, what do you think the trajectory of just their, you know, the, the sonic textures that they had been putting out there, you know, was like back in the 80s up until 94? Do you think do you think that they were searching for this? Yeah, I guess, you know, as a musician myself, um, you know, there's, there's always new technology and, and new sounds for whatever instrument you play and new recording uh, techniques to use. So I think Dogman explored some of that. Um, and this is just based on things I've read um, about the album. Um, so I think, it, you know, for them, it was just exploring. And they were just kind of, it, it seems maybe their sound, of, you know, their album before that came out in 92. I mean, I, I don't want to say it was an 80s sound, but it had elements of kind of that eighties rock um or metal kind of sounds in it, so they I think they were just looking for something new and maybe in part because they were just unhappy with um being on Atlantic records and just you know kind of confiding in themselves you know what kind of album do we need to do to either sell or but try to stay true to ourselves because they they're also a band that maybe uh well it depends who you ask but maybe maybe they started the grunge trend i don't know or maybe they were also trying to become relevant um within them and, and they certainly were not a grunge band by any means they kind of hard to define them but um yeah i think they were just looking at the time for like what's what's this stuff didn't work before what do we need to change? So they just experimented with different guitar amps and different guitars. They even, you know, dropped. I, I remember reading an article where they, the, t- the guitarist Ty Taylor talks about how how much of a pain in the ass it was to go on tour for the album because he had to use uh, bring like seven guitars on, on the tour because they're all tuned differently for all the songs. Um, so yeah, I think they were just trying to you know find themselves again you know they're still on a major uh, uh label um so there was that pressure but they you know chose to work with a great producer that was pretty relaxed and you know said do your thing guys and I'll you know make it sound whatever words they described that they wanted it to sound like which mm-hmm. I I'm pretty I, I think he did, he did do that for them definitely this feels like a good time to talk about some of your favorite tracks, Brian. Would you like to go? Would you like to go? You know, all the way through, or would you like to pick out a handful that um, that just really resonate with you? Well, there's the, yeah, I definitely have my favorites on there. I mean, there's not a song to me. You know, music is so your own opinion, but there's not a track on there that I dislike. Um, the probably the best song they wrote for that it is the title the first track which is the the 
title of the album Dogman. Um, apparently, Ty Tabor went out and said, I'm going to write the heaviest riff I've ever written before. And as soon as you push play, um, it's just in-your-face guitars, and Doug Pinnock just has this... Um, He's got an incredible voice. I mean, that's has stood up. He's almost 70 years old now, and it's just stood up over time. Um, and he sings with a lot of soul and a lot of... Um, he, I mean, he's got some of the best screams on the album that, uh, yeah. that I've heard. So, I mean, Dogman is, is a really cool track. It actually was not even originally called Dogman. It was called uh, To Be a Good Man, and it bothered the band. They're like, I don't know, that's just kind of a wimpy title, so... Someone just said dog man and that they're like, Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a very like um great guitar driven driven song and vocally uh, amazing for, for Doug Pinnock's performance on it. Um yeah. I also like um there's a sort of a slower the, the album is not all in your face, there's some kind of slower tracks on it so a great one is flies in blue skies um which i think just showcases um it's it's almost the typical king's x song and how they uh, approach the guitar riff uh, which is it's kind of unorthodox if you know how to play a guitar and you play it you're like that doesn't make sense but when you listen to the song it just works and it just showcases a lot of the background vocals they do and Ty's lead guitar playing. Um, Black the Sky is a really dark kind of song, riff-wise. Um, I mean, there's so many great good ones. Complain is a really cool song. Um, that's maybe a little... has a little more pop, poppy edge to it. Um, and I just like the, the chorus, which just, which just goes, Complain so much easier. Mm-hmm. Sort of about all the things get thrown at you in life and people like to complain about the smallest little things even even to to this day yeah this one was really politically oriented based on the lyrics um yeah calling out global warming you know there's a certain you know talk radio shock jock that's called out on the carpet by doug it's uh it's it, it smacks you in the face a few times yeah it's 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 a fun song um sunshine rain is good that's like kind of like another slow one um some of these songs, you know, the album, so like I said, is pretty raw. Um, and all of them were going through their own personal stuff at the time. So, like, Doug Pinnock has kind of gone through a lot of, suffered from depression in his life. So all these songs are about him waking up and just, like, feeling the lowest of lows. Um, and his relationship's going bad. So I think Sunshine Rain was just another, was like a good example of a song he wrote. Um Cigarettes is cool, a uh, little tune. Um, and this album actually has, that sounds like you listen to it, has, uh, it's, I think it's the only album they did a cover song on, which they covered a Jimi Hendrix song, Manic Depression, mm-hmm. uh, which is the last track. Um, which, interestingly enough, so they that same year it was um, the 25th anniversary of Woodstock, and they ended up playing it. And for whatever reason, their performance was hailed by critics, at least, as one of the better performances, especially because they ended up performing Manic Depression. And for a lot of people, it brought back 
just that memory of Jimi Hendrix playing the yeah. original um, Woodstock in 69. Um, yeah. But, like, they did all these things, you know, they get to play Woodstock, and it still did not lead to an increase in any sort of record sales for them. So they, it's, Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's funny you mention Woodstock because um, – I, yeah, I decided to comb through the uh, the annals of YouTube and uh, discovered Chris Connolly, uh, who was an MTV VJ yeah, back yeah. for singing King's X's praises. I mean, he was just completely flabbergasted at how amazing their set was and called yeah. out my impression. Yeah, I mean, even before that, they you know they they were more of an opener. Uh, they had opened for ACDC for a couple tours uh, when Pearl Jam first came out, and they're really close with the guys in Pearl Jam. Um, when Pearl Jam's first album, 10, came out, they opened for them for a couple of weeks. So, you know, they, they're they highly respected um, by fellow musicians um, from many, many, you know, from Motley Crue to Pearl Jam to Alice in Chains. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story with them. Yeah. Are there any lyrics on these tracks that really stand out for you that just, you know, you mentioned the chorus to complain. I mean, that's really in your face. Are there, are there just some other lyrical, you know, turn of phrases that just took you by surprise when you first heard dog man? Um, you know, when I listen to albums, I, I, I listen to the music first. Um, so I'm trying to recall, you know, if something caught my ear, I know the, the song dog man, that there's some, uh, live versions of it. They, they've got a couple live albums um, that they put out afterwards, and that Dog Band is always a song they'll play as a as a band. Um, and they, uh, I think Doug may have wrote that one. So he's 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 a bit of a pothead. So he's changed a few lyrics, alluding to smoking marijuana <laughs> on the live <laughs> versions, which are kind of funny. Okay, to listen to. Um, like give me a skinny or give me a fat. I think is what he sings. Um, uh huh. Yeah, give me a nail or give me a bat right before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other things. Um, I mean, nothing stands out to me. I mean, that one's really good. I think for me, it's it's more um, just the sound that they are always able to produce as three people mm-hmm. um, between the singing and the great guitar riffs and the great lead guitar playing and Jerry's drumming. It's, um, I get just more of an emotional feeling from all those things happening at once. Um, I mean, I do like flies and blue skies, just that whole song. Um, lyrically, they even have a song, uh, I think it's called go to hell. I don't know the words, but that's like an old song that they, had written together in the early 80s and they were trying to sound like a punk band. And the song is definitely punkish. And Doug writes in the book that he uh, yeah, he doesn't want people to actually know what he's talking about. Here are the lyrics. Here are the lyrics. I don't want to go to hell. Nobody in their right mind wants to, but very few have done the things they have to do to get to the promised land. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they as a band had have got had gotten the Christian rock label slapped on them. So, but they, while they are, you know, Christian raised individuals, um, I mean, some of the songs, you know, do allude to religious themes, but a lot of it is about 
questioning your religion and and the things that are kind of hypocritical about it. So I assume go to hell brings a lot of that up. Um, and probably he didn't want at the time <laughs> in the eighties when he was, he was really into Christianity, he didn't want people to know he had second thoughts about uh, his religion. We are talking to Brian Frankie of far away and Brian Frankie, the solo artist here on cover to cover with Matt Harkis, specifically about King's X's. Dogman. And uh, Brian, I'd like to talk about cover art um, for Dogman. No matter how you consume music, whether it's digitally or through physical media, tape, CD, vinyl records, there's always some sort of supporting cover art. And uh, I wanted to just get your thoughts on what, you know, what sorts of emotions or, or images come to mind when you look at this album cover? Is there, is there something that stands out for you? Do you think it's a good, accurate representation of the music that you're about to experience? Um, well, I'll, I'll throw a quick story in about the, the album. So the previous four albums had very elaborate art on the cover. Um, and then this one is basically a picture of a, a dog's face. Um, and that's kind of it. And they just, I think they just didn't care about <laughs> the album. They decided to call it Dog Man, so why not put a dog on it? Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, the CDs that were sold, um, they had four different colors that they chose, and they thought it would be kind of a way to, to, to boost sales. So there's like, the do- I think there's a blue. Like the dog looks is is a specific color, so there's one where it's blue and green, yellow and red. I think are the four colors. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know they were just. I mean, to me, obviously it's it's simple, um, and I I think they were just saying you know you know a dog is an animal. Maybe they were just maybe trying as I interpret it as saying like this album is going to be raw and animalistic. In, in some, yeah. Yeah. These are the songs, you know, dogs. Sure, there's sweet dogs, but like a dog man? I mean, that's got to be a crazy animal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very, for you know, as far as album covers go, um, it's pretty sim- pretty simple um, album covers. And I think maybe maybe they just wanted it simple so that you would focus more on the, the music than what the album cover looked like. Because the, the other ones before that are pretty cool. And they don't know actually, you know, who the dog is. It's none of their dogs, so they aren't sure if it's like a stock photo of a dog or, you know, a photographer's dog. Um, they actually don't know who the dog is. Brian, it's been such a pleasure having you on cover to cover this evening. Thanks so much for coming on the program and talking about King's X with us. It's a criminally overlooked band and uh, one I think people should, you know, certainly check out because they've they're kind of a musicians group <laughs> in in yeah. some in some respects. Yeah, musicians do love them because they 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 are technical and they are just as good live as they are recording wise. Um but yeah, I love this band. I've loved them for over 20 years and uh you know, they definitely deserve a lot more credit than they they get in the in the music industry but um thank you so much for allowing me to talk about them and talk about the album dogman
All right, my thanks to Brian Frankie for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much, and please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Apple. Take a moment to tell a friend or tell some of your family about our show. Let us know how much you like it by giving it a good rating. It'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And as always, we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. <laughs>